1: In fashion? In, in fashion, in fashion. Did you see what she's wearing? tall shoes. I'm Sonia Sly. My heels are killing me. Um, but I was told I have a backstage pass.
2: You will need to get the right pass to get behind me, Pam. Like I need sorry. to go. Code red, code red, code red. We have a situation.
1: I'm taking you inside the fashion industry to discuss trends, the reality behind the glamour, and the highs and lows of a fast-paced industry that never stops. In the big, wide world of fashion, there are those who follow trends and those who create them. But where do designers draw their inspiration from? As it turns out, it's anywhere and everywhere. And if you want to know what the future of fashion looks like, well, it pays to keep your eyes on emerging designers who work without boundaries. I headed along to this year's ID Dunedin Fashion Week to meet some designers so that you have the inside word. And that's the ocean, by the way, which informed the work of Sydney designer Talia Jimenez. And it's what lives in the ocean that caught her attention.
3: All of my collections started at the um, the seafood markets in Sydney. So I kind of went and drew all of the seafood, so like the prawns, the scampi, the fish heads. Does that seem like
1: quite a weird thing to
3: it do? It was such try? a weird thing. Everyone was like, all all the tourists were taking photos of me doing that because they thought it was just like such a strange thing to do. I guess I was just kind of drawn towards the kind of sliminess and it is it is such like an Australian thing, but when you think of like Australiana prints, you think of like kind of more pretty stuff and I really wanted to... Do something that was like a little bit different and sticky, and kind of that human interaction with that environment as well. So not like beautiful underwater sea creatures. Like once they're taken out and put in these big buckets, and I kind of loved it. So I mean, the colours yeah. really jump
1: out. So you've got the, I guess the orange. Is it hand printed? Or?
3: Yeah. So I hand print everything. Um, so I like I do my sketches and I pop them on the computer and like rearrange onto into repeat prints. So they're all like full yardage repeat prints. Um, and then I hand screen print everything. So everything's like a two layer or three-layer screen print that I set up by hand. Sounds
1: quite intense. It is, it
3: is. It's, it's so crazy. I've done so many big, like, 15-hour days in the print room. Like, I kind of, I love that hand process. Digital's kind of so easy to just, like,
1: send off and get your fabric roll back. What can you tell me about the, the actual aesthetic? I mean, I kind of look at it and it goes, it's, like, you know, streetwear. you've got quite a few outer wear pieces. There's some um, kind of camouflage print as actually, well. actually, so they're all crab bodies. If you
3: look closely, kind of um, abstract take on the camo print. Kind of went with a mixture of streetwear, but like a lot of influence from like fishing outfits. So there's like sandwich pocket zippers, like all waterproof and zip off and very utility. All of the hardware all comes from like fishing tackle shops. So it's all like your really heavy duty sailing stuff. So I kind of tried to bring all that in and looked at like old uh, sailors' like utility suits and tried to be like a bit functional in that way as well. Okay. I mean, it's yeah. nice to kind of bring that
1: into a fashion context. Is this menswear or womenswear? It's menswear.
3: That's been shot on a girl, though. These pants that I'm wearing are the same pattern as this, that I've literally just taken it at the waist. What I love about menswear is it then can be translated into womenswear, whereas the other way around is quite hard to do. I'm kind of, like, in my own style, I have very masculine, like, boxy shapes, and so if you start off with menswear, then it can easily be turned into a unisex collection, which is what I kind of love about menswear. Also, at the at the moment i'm i'm with bonds um so it's like an australian underwear company who does amazing prints so that's been like a really nice fit for me um it's like a straight out of uni assistant design position but in the future i'd love to go study at central st martin's and really pursue prints and menswear and that sort of thing so yeah we'll see what happens <laughs> uh, um, india, india. Is an uh, yeah in we both went to india. <laughs>
1: right. meet well, olivia ball and Kristen make they that designers with an environmentalist each
4: I went to China for four weeks and we looked at smaller local handcraft as well as like the big production and like that kind of opened my eyes to how much stuff was out there and I was like I don't want to just contribute to this like I want to do something different when we were looking for inspiration we were looking at upcycling and there was so much ugly stuff out there and like that put us off a lot and We feel that a lot of other designers would probably feel
5: the same way. It's it's hard, um, yeah. yeah. And so that
1: is a challenge to upcycle material and um, make it something beautiful.
5: Like, my experience in India was, it was exactly the same, you know, it's that that overwhelming, holy crap, we're just mass-producing so much, like, unnecessary things, and it's like, you actually first-hand get to see the effect that that's having on... Like the livelihood of all these people that are slaving away to keep up with like fast fashion's constant demand, and yeah, I guess that has definitely, definitely influenced like what we've done. And, and what
1: they've done is a little fishy, you could say.
5: Every single thing on the collection is waste. Like we um, were going through the uni scrap bins, we were like going through actual rubbish bins. All of these sequins. Were hand punched from um, soft drink cans. You're kidding me. Absolutely everything's waste. Like these weaves were chip bags. It's dairy milk chocolate. Yeah. Except started. you'd
1: never know by looking at the collection.
5: <laughs> and
4: chili
1: the pom pom. Like these here.
5: Yeah. We had a lot of old threads as well that we would cord into like thicker yarns, and um... you mean just
1: like bits and scrap pieces? that people normally just can skinny rubbish.
5: (laughs) Rummaging through uni bins? Yeah.
1: Why? I mean, and how disgusting was that process? Well, a
4: lot of the uni bins, like fashion, it's people throwing away um, fabrics like we have separate bins with like discarded pieces
5: it was like really as important to both of us as environmentalists to like when we embarked on our graduate collection at the very start we knew that you know we love color we love fun we love this like bold aesthetic but it's quite sad the fashion industry is such a huge um, global polluter and we wanted to from the get-go like tackle that and actually designed for... Like We wanted baby. to create something
4: new, but we didn't want to use new
5: yeah. products, because there's almost so much stuff out
4: there already that we can utilise.
1: And then I was really intrigued as to what the Coke hands and things would look like,
5: right. reimagined in
1: a, in a <laughs> garment. So
5: how did you actually print out these the tiny sequins? It was a little hand howled uh, metal tool and it had different sized circles and you'd screw them on the end and then you'd get a mallet and you'd we'd cut the cans up, lay them out flat and then you'd just punch, punch, punch then we got a little pin and we'd pinhole the centre yeah, so of far. each so that we could then go and embroider them. So it was a huge process and did um, you take turns
1: doing that? Yeah. yeah. Was it the, the least fun part of the process? Um, sometimes it was a nice break
5: because you could do it
4: mindlessly, you could listen to podcasts and just smash out sequins and okay. but other times your hand would get sore.
1: Was it obvious that that's what you were to turn them into? Like when you when you went scrounging for coke cans and things,
5: were you like, yeah, let's do sequence. I think part of part of my initial textile experimentation was like I was looking at different rubbish leftover from our consumption and and I was like I was experimenting with different ways that I could do things and the sequence was kind of like one of those happy experiments that came out of that and then that was something that we continued to then use and it was kind of like the whole the whole collection was really, like, um, material responsive, so we'd source the materials and we'd source the bags and then it was like, OK, so now what are we going to do with this rather than designing what we wanted it to look like and then finding the stuff to fit that. It was, like,
4: reverse. The materials we source like, defined what we made.
1: Did you have a picture or a theme in mind? I mean, it's almost like space agey well, yeah we've had like... the space
4: association quite a lot um
1: you but... can totally imagine like lady gaga maybe rocking oh yeah well, stuff. that's what this. we want and miley Cyrus
4: <laughs> like, so when you're working with um, maximalist aesthetics like it's so open you can literally do anything through our research we were looking at maximalism which is more
5: is more celebrating the, the beauty and over the top and yeah. the oscar wilde quote like moderation is a fatal thing nothing succeeds like excess
4: we translated and we looked to nature for inspiration, so we were like, hmm, we'll put them together. And We somehow came
5: across fish. <laughs> Each outfit is inspired by a different fish. This was like the batfish. It was kind of more flamboyant and girly and... The design was digital, and then yeah. the laser cutter would burn away the top layer of the fabric to get these like prints, which add to the whole personality of each design. So this originated from a shark, and then this is kind of like the edgy rebel yeah, with the yeah, fins, the color but color. it doesn't look anything like a shark. You've not got, you overtly. All the spikes the shark <laughs> at the fins. it's subtle, but like uh, Mandy, the Mandarin fish, which is completely rainbow and colourful, and that was kind of the starting inspiration for that. So you guys, as <laughs> designers
1: what does the future of fashion look like to you
5: this <laughs> yeah
4: well for us it does I mean it's not everyone's aesthetic but we would love to continue creating these kind of garments I
1: mean they're not getting your everyday garments no, but like
4: someone's gonna want to wear it if you look at stage wear and costume wear they want something that is something different from the norm all of these techniques there's so much going on if you wanted to you could tone them down and create a more wearable garment.
5: Some there's fashion a, is art, yeah. some yeah. fashion yeah. is just clothing. We've from the get-go. It's fashion as art, but and wear people and think of fashion, they're like, oh,
4: fashion means you could oh. wear it every day. And it's like you don't have to wear everything every day. Like there's occasions where things are appropriate and there's occasions where these aren't appropriate. <laughs>
1: <laughs> these not be appropriate. Like maybe in the office, you wouldn't yeah. get away with a you know, yeah. Fashion is about having fun, so you never know. I might be game enough to walk into work one day with a sequined shark's fin on my back made from recycled soda cans. But in contrast, I meet Alessandro. He studied in Florence, and his collection is deeply personal. There's lots of white here and lots of, lots of detail with the layers and layers of bows. It actually makes his garments are abstract, and the pieces aren't immediately identifiable. Which begs the question, how does this work? I I have to show you because it's hard to explain. My collection is inspired by my personal experience because I always work on my bad experience. Your bad experience? What do you mean? Bad memories or bad moments. For me it's a, a way to grow up, try to transform bad memories in good things. And this time I chose to work on my relationship between me and my father when I was a child. Ah. Yeah, it was bad. What was bad about it? Our relationship in general. Because I'm gay and I grew up in a um, hard country, like small town. So it's Italy, wasn't it? Was yeah. it? Yeah, Naples. Okay. It was hard, but now it's fine. Because for me, the bow, it represents union. Yeah. In this case, it's me and my father. So when you have to make a bow... Like tying to make... people yeah, together, yeah, yeah, in yeah, a way. Yeah. So, what was your name? Anthony. Cool, and whereabouts are you from? Uh, Shanghai. What's the theme behind the collection? It's from Buddhist, uh, Buddhist clothing. Oh, from Buddhist clothing?
2: Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Are you Buddhist yourself?
2: No, no, no. No? I just like this culture. Religious culture is the most important in the Chinese history. I really like uh, this history, so I made closing collection.
1: So you've got the carp fish yeah, on the back?
2: Carp fish, yeah. I think fashion is the first and comfortable is second. Just, I think. <laughs> you think
1: fashion yeah. comes first and comfort comes second? Yeah. Especially coming from a place like China it's known from you know a place that designers tend to mass produce their clothing but for you as a young designer what do you want the future of fashion to look like?
4: Clothes will be
2: more simple and uh, yeah I like classy. Classy? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've with both. I was at Coop Street for a year and Alice McCall for about six months.
1: Designer Nima Vittles has been interning for Australian labels but took a completely different approach when designing her own collection. She took out the main prize at ID this year and her use of fabrication immediately draws you in. It looks fragile, almost like it's made of Paper.
2: Well, there is some paper in it. It's Tyvek. It's a polyester paper. Um, It's machine-washable, chemical-resistant and very durable. So I also used um, silk organza and cotton organdy and bonded them certain ways. So a lot of it is actually stronger than it looks. My collection's fully digitally printed. I just use the same three fabrications the whole way through my collection of archetypal garments and the scraps that are left over when I have made them. And what
1: are the archetypal garments? I've
2: got the shirt, the bomber, the biker... A blazer and a trench coat. The sculptural pieces are the scraps that were left over when I cut out the pieces for those garments. And even though they are archetypal garments, I did construct them in my own way, like cut and paste collage them on 3D form, and yeah, emphasise those uh, details with top stitching.
1: Is there a layer of paint over the top of this That's textile high here? Back.
2: So this kind of came by accident. There was an image that I took of peeling paint on Glebe Point Road in um, Sydney. I just dropped that in and. Like into Illustrator, and then ended up coming out with a laser etching file. And instead of etching, it actually kind of burnt and pulled apart in a lot of places. And then I ended up using that to bond through to like this one's silk gowns so that's self bonded. As it bonded and it pulled apart, I pulled a bit more of it apart and it just kind of broke away.
1: For some of these garments hanging on the clothes hangers, yeah. I can't tell what the garment actually is. Yeah.
2: So that is the scraps that are left over from the, um, the shirt. I kind of believe that, like, whoever's wearing them could... Should inform how they go, and because they're sculptural pieces, they kind of are activated by the wearer and the body itself. I guess you could call them somewhere between dresses and accessories. The only one that I've kind of worn that you wear by itself is this one, which was originally um, the scrap left over from a
1: coat. What else were you kind of working with in terms of themes or the concept? I was really
2: fascinated and frustrated by um, the way people project themselves on social media and how it's not actually real to lived experience. so I ended up kind of taking photos of my own. Especially on Instagram. Yeah especially (laughs) on Instagram. Uh, So like you know certain people that used to be important in my life were no longer in my life and um, they were just kind of you know projecting this lifestyle and I was like "Mm." so I found myself taking obsessively taking photos of everything and then I was cutting into them and collaging them and taking photos of that and then It was my own interpretation when I got lost in the throes of making of how I started creating images and that those images ended up being how I created my prints. I also moved back and forth from working on a male body and a female body. Like I found working on a male body, I was able to work out the cut of the archetypal garments that I wanted.
1: And does it change the actual silhouette quite
2: dramatically? Guys' bodies are more like a canvas. On the female models, I feel like it looked more angsty and edgy. On the guys, it kind of looked a bit more ethereal. And alien-like.
1: Designers now are looking to create those sort of gender-fluid garments, yep. aren't they? And, and it's about how do you make your connection to the garment personal to you as a wearer.
2: Yeah, I totally agree. And I also, I don't, I don't think it's necessarily also how designers are doing that, but I also believe that it's how... Consumers are actually purchasing and consuming fashion now. Like, you know, everyone can buy whatever they want online and shop from either wardrobe. More and more as we have a discussion about what gender is and what sexuality is, I think it's like it's actually more normalised for you to wear or wear it how you want. In certain ways in fashion, we're a little bit behind with what's happening. Like gendered collections, there will always be a market, but it might become more niche rather than mainstream.
1: The future of fashion lies in the hands and imaginations of this next generation of emerging designers. You've been listening to My Heels Are Killing Me. I'm Sonia Sly. To find out more or to listen again, head to our podcast page on the rnz.co.nz website.